getting so focused on goals to the point where we really negatively restrict our quality of life in the present is something that I wouldn't do over again and that I wouldn't necessarily recommend. And sometimes when you want to reach goals, there are certain sacrifices, especially with finances right now. It's like all of our finances are tight right now. It's a wild time. And I think we can still find ways to enjoy our lives while we reach certain goals. Hey everyone, this is Ashley Menzies Babatunde, your host and resident storyteller, and welcome to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. No Straight Path is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We are digging into the human stories behind success, and my hope as always is that you leave the conversation inspired, motivated, and excited about your journey. Hey friends, we are back from our summer break and I'm so excited about today's interview with Les Alfred. Les is the founder and host of Balanced Black Girl, an online wellness community and podcast focused on mind-body health, habits, spacious productivity, financial wellness, and self-care. Her mission is to help others create nourishing habits that help them create necessary space to live their best lives. And since launching in 2018, Balanced Black Girl has garnered over 7 million downloads loads, yes, 7 million, has over 1,500 five-star reviews, and has been featured by Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Les was also featured as one of Gabrielle Union's WCWs for all of the amazing work she's done, which is super exciting. Les and I connected through social media and finally met at Podcast Movement Evolutions in the spring of this year, and I just loved her. She was so kind. She gave me such great advice. We shared our stories and decided to appear on each other's shows. So I actually had a thoughtful conversation with her on Balance Black Girl. And I'll link that episode in the show notes if you want to hear more about my story. And then we had a candid and honest conversation about Les's life and entrepreneurial journey that I'm excited to share with you all today. I actually recorded this episode in the spring. So you'll see that some of the topics we discuss in this conversation influenced my recent solo episodes on accidental entrepreneurship and how to have a healthier relationship with achievement. Not only did our conversation inspire some of my content, Les's story and perspective has just really inspired me in so many ways. Even the summer break I took from releasing episodes, Balanced Black Girl took a little summer break and it honestly gave me permission to do the same. I wanted to do it, but I was afraid to do it. And I'm just really happy that I did it. Sometimes you just need to see someone else's story, hence the No Straight Path podcast, (laughs) to inspire you to take action. And I'm just glad that we're back and we're kicking it off with this amazing conversation. So let's get to it. I am so excited to have Les on the show. Thank you so much. You have been such an inspiration to me, and it's just so great to have someone like you as I'm coming up in this podcast game. So I can't wait to just dig into your story. Oh, thank you so much, Ashley. I really appreciate you having me. Absolutely. So I want to start from the beginning. Let's go all the way back to your childhood. Can you tell us about how you grew up? Tell us about your family, maybe a little bit about Little Less. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Little Less was quite the character. So I would say that I am a classic oldest daughter, kind of first child. 
My parents actually had me when they were really young. So when I was born, my mom was 17. Uh, my dad was 21 or 22. So they were super, super young. And I think in a lot of ways that really shaped me and shaped my upbringing. And with my parents being so young, you know, I look back on that and I'm like, wow, they were like half the age that I am now. My mom was half the age that I am now when she had me and was and is just such a stellar parent as a teenager that I'm like, how in the world? Because I'm in my early 30s and could not keep my plants alive. So how as a 17-year-old? <laughs> like, She was so fantastic. But there are so many things that I think my parents did really amazingly in raising me just in terms of being really affirming, but not raising me to have a sense of comparison. I think my parents did a really great job instilling a sense of confidence in me and my intelligence and my abilities without it ever being about other people. So they would affirm me being smart or me being able to do great things without it ever being like smarter than someone else or better than someone else. And I really appreciate that because I think in some ways, and I naturally compare myself to other people because we all do, but I think not being raised with that messaging has really, really served me in a lot of ways. So as a kid, I was really creative. I loved storytelling. I loved writing. I was always writing different stories. And I used to create my own little newspapers and pretend I was an editor and try to assign stories to my friends. And they were just not having it. But (laughs) from a really young age, I loved the idea of telling stories. I was obsessed with media. I was obsessed with like talk shows and cooking shows. And anytime someone could tell a story or teach us how to do something, I was always glued in. And I think that that really influenced a lot of the work that I do today. Yeah, yeah, no. And I love that so much. Do you know where that came from when it came to just your parents and the values that they instilled in you and not comparing yourself? Like, is there something behind that? What inspired your parents to affirm you in that way? Yeah, I think for each of them, it's a little bit different. You know, my dad is someone who is so ahead of his time in a lot of ways. When I think about a lot of the things that are trendy now when it comes to wellness and mindfulness and even the interest that I've had in that, he was really my biggest influence with so many of the woo-woo things and the wellnessy things he was doing as like a teenager in the 80s. He would just read about it and think that it was really interesting. And I remember when he was younger or when I was younger, he used to, you know, do his meditations and he called them his relaxation tapes on his Walkman, which was really (laughs) just like guided meditations like we would do now on an app. He had them on tape on a Walkman. I'm 99% sure he still has this Walkman and he might still use it. Like I bought him meditation app subscriptions and he still wants to listen to his meditation tapes or relaxation tapes. And so I think for him, you know, he's very big on affirmations, very big on mindfulness and really instilled that in me at a really young age. And with my mom, she's someone who is just really just a very confident person. And she is not a fan of neediness or needy behavior. And I think she really wanted to instill a sense of inner confidence in me that didn't have to depend on other people. And so I think each of them kind of with their own personalities and their own flavor, both instilled those things in me in different ways. 
I love that. I love that flavor that has created less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you are amazing. And I am just curious about, you know, it looks like, I mean, I can see how it shows up in the work that you're doing today. And I want to know more about Balanced Black Girl and just what inspired the podcast. Definitely. So my wellness journey started when I was in college, actually. I had my first corporate internship the summer between my junior and my senior year, and I hated it. It was like day one, I showed up at that internship and I was like, oh no, this is... I do not think that this is a good fit. And it was my first time sitting at a desk all day and being still and being in kind of a corporate environment. I remember just feeling so exhausted. And I was 20 years old. I was starting to have like my back aching. I was having a hard time staying awake throughout the day. And I was like, I am literally 20 and I feel 80. And if I am going to have to sit at this desk and do this job, something is going to have to give. So I was just looking for energy wherever I could find it. And I ended up finding energy on the other end of exercise and improving my diet and fueling myself a bit better than I was previously doing as a college student because college students are like not the healthiest, especially, you know, 10, 15 years ago when we didn't have all the content and information we have now. And it really helped me fall in love with wellness and fall in love with taking care of myself. And the next few years after that, I just went all in. I was obsessed with learning more about health, learning how to take better care of myself, finding energy. And other people in my life were just not interested. Like my friends were (laughs) not having it. They didn't care or weren't interested. And so I started really going online to learn from other people and to connect with other people who were interested in wellness. And I ended up finding that through wellness blogs. And after a few years of being super obsessed with wellness blogs, I thought, well, I could do this. I know a lot about wellness. At that point, I had become a personal trainer. My background was in corporate comms. I was like, I know a lot about wellness. I study this. I can write a blog. And so I started blogging and started creating wellness content. And that was in 2014. And I kept doing that for a number of years until I honestly just got pretty burned out of it. I got pretty sick of wellness and fitness. And especially at that time, you know, in the 2010s, it wasn't as holistic as it is now. There was still a lot of emphasis on your body and how you looked and kind of using your body to grow a following. There wasn't as much body positivity as there is now. And I just, I got really burned out of it and decided to stop creating content altogether. And when I stopped creating content, I was getting messages from my followers and from people who had engaged with my content before. And they were like, Hey, Les, I know you're taking a break, but when you're not posting, I don't see other black girls talking about wellness in my feed, or you were the only person who looked like me who talked about the wellnessy things that I was interested in. And hearing that feedback, I got the idea of, okay, well, what if I could connect my audience with other black and brown wellnessy women so that they have more people to follow and connect with outside of just me, kind of wanting to take the pressure off of myself a little bit and introduce them to some other people. And that was where Balanced Black Girl was born. Wow. Oh, I love that journey. Sometimes it's just you following your interests, not even sometimes, oftentimes it's you following mm-hmm. your interests what you need for yourself and creating that content and then it helps other people and then your followers are pushing you and then you create this amazing platform that's been around for how many years now? Almost five years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. 
almost five years. So five years of this entrepreneurial creative pursuit. Can you tell us about yourself on this journey? What has been the greatest lesson that you've learned about yourself? You know, I was just telling this to a friend the other day because she's in the process of starting a podcast and she was going really deep into, she hasn't even started yet. And she's like, well, how do I grow? And what is my marketing strategy? And I need listeners and all this. And I was like, honestly, the most rewarding and most fun time in my podcasting journey was back when I first started and I was so inspired by the idea and nobody was listening and I had so much fun with it. And if I could go back and relive that, or if I could like bottle that up, that feeling and drink it, just the freedom you have when you feel inspired and you want to create, but you don't have this pressure to be what it is that people want or to talk about the things that people want you to talk about. When you just have this freedom to be and create when no one is looking, that is the most beautiful time. And what I learned from that time was how much I really enjoy the creative process. I love having an idea and bringing it through and kind of making sure that it exists in the world. And that process just from idea to launch or idea to scale is so, so much fun for me. And it's part of why I'm like, okay, what can I start now? Do I want another podcast? Do I want to do something else? Because that Mm. beginning stages of just following that creativity is something that really lights me up and I miss it. Yeah, yeah, no, I I love that perspective because it's certainly something I can see. I'm not there yet because I'm still <laughs> in the beginning of my journey, but it can be challenging when you are changing a creative project to a business and then you already, you know, you have expectations, you have this big following, you have people counting on you. Mm-hmm. You have to continue to produce content and so and you're not always inspired, right? In order yep. to get inspired, I've noticed you need time away from content. Mm-hmm. You need time exactly. to think. You need time alone with your thoughts or just to be with family or to do whatever wellness practice that is extremely important to you to really give the best content. And I'm curious if you have any strategies or things that you've been trying out to kind of hold on to the inspiration and to the love of the work while also producing in the way that you need to, to continue to grow. Definitely. A big one has been taking breaks. There have been periods of time where maybe I will re-air old episodes. I did that last summer. I called it my podcast summer vacation, and I ended up just re-airing older episodes all summer and took the summer off from recording. And I traveled quite a bit and hung out with my friends and just spent lots of time outside and in nature. And by the time I came back in the fall, I just had a lot more fresh inspiration. And the podcast grew a lot during that time, which was really beautiful. And something that I'm leaning into now, because I did reach this point, particularly from kind of 2020 through about the midpoint of 2022, where I was not taking any risks in my content. And I personally wasn't really showing up. And it was because that was the point where I really started growing. And I started feeling really afraid of what happens if I reveal more of myself and these people don't like it. And- Mm. Sometimes, especially when we're creating content, we get so focused on growth, which is great. 
But having an audience in and of itself can be really scary at times. You don't want to let people down. You feel like you need to kind of put on this LinkedIn voice all the time to make sure that you don't offend anybody and everything resonates. And so what I've really been leaning into this year is how can I put a little bit more of myself into what I'm doing? How can I relax that grip and give myself permission to show up imperfectly and who it resonates with resonates and who it doesn't resonate with, you know, then it, it doesn't and that's okay. And kind of looking to overcome some of that fear has really helped me tap back into my creativity. I love that. And when you say more of myself, what does that mean to you? What is the content that excites you right now? What do you want to share with your listeners? I would say it's more casual conversations. I, you know, have conducted probably about 200 interviews at this point on my show, which has been great, and I've covered so many incredible topics and I've had some interviews that are really dense and really heavy or some things that are really science-based. And right now, I'm just kind of at a point where I want to have fun conversations. I want to bring people on. I want to talk about what music they're listening to and what they're watching and what they're loving and what's making them happy and share a bit more of that as opposed to some of the more intense content like I've created in the past. And I've been giving myself permission to lean into that a little bit more on the podcast. So that's something that is kind of airing on the podcast currently. And I know our episode was a bit more along those lines when you came on my show. And I've just been having a lot more fun with those types of conversations. And especially as a Black woman, you know, a lot of the pitches that I get for my show, I will just get a long email listing out maybe all of the traumas that someone has experienced. And I appreciate that people feel safe enough to come to me with those things or to want to discuss those things with me. And I do think that those conversations can be really important. And I don't want a show that's hosted by a Black woman that features the voices of Black women to only be about the hard things that we experience Mm. because we experience hard things, but we also are the keepers and creators of so much joy. And I really want to start leaning more into that joy. Uh, I love that so much. I completely agree. As Black women, we are dynamic Like we can have a conversation and be crying five minutes Mm -hmm. and then the next five minutes we're cracking up. That's often conversations I have with one of my best friends. And I agree with what you're saying. And it's really hard, right? When you are putting out content and it is part of it is a reflection of who you are and you go through different seasons Mm -hmm. of life and you're just in your, I'm having fun season. I'm living my best life season. I'm seeing it on IG. I'm seeing it in real life. We've had some fun together. And I love that. And so tell us about what do you do to have fun? What are you into? I'm going to turn it back. Like, let's do what you've been doing on your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) On mine, I'm just curious, what brings you joy? Definitely. I love this question. Honestly, play. And play is something that we lose sight of as adults a lot because we go to school and then we get in our careers and then we get really serious. And then we, you know, it feels like everything is work, especially if like you and I, you're balancing like a career and a side hustle or a career and a creative pursuit that could be separate. It 
it can often feel like everything is work. And so finding more spaces for intentional play are really, really important to me. Leaning into things that I was interested in when I was younger, but maybe didn't get to do. So like this year I started taking tennis lessons, which I wanted to do when I was younger, but couldn't afford to do. And it's been so fun and I'm awful at tennis and I'm not going to be the next (laughs) Serena. And as a perfectionist kind of in recovery, a recovering perfectionist, that has actually been so good for me. It has been great for me to do something and be bad at it and just run around and swing a racket and have fun. Or with a lot of my friendships and time with my girlfriends, sometimes as adults, we feel this pressure that we need to do all these things. We need to get dressed up. We need to go out to dinner every time. We need to go do all these things. And spending time with my friends where we just maybe meet up for a walk or someone just comes over and we just watch TV and it's super chill. Like we used to hang out with our friends when we were younger and just kind of taking the pressure off and allowing more space for just play and laughter and seeing where the day takes you is something that's really bringing me joy right now. Uh, I love that too. Yeah. You're right when it comes to just even the pressure we put on play as adults, Mm -hmm. as an example, just weddings with wedding planning, or yes, like you said, a nice dinner. My friend was planning a birthday party recently and it was so stressful. And it's just like, that's not the reason why we're getting together. We're getting together to connect, to enjoy each other's company, to have fun, to laugh. And there is a woman, and I'm forgetting her name right now. I'm going to find her book and put it in the show notes. It's called The Art of Gathering, but it's all about how to come together in a way that creates more connection and community. And it's not based on just like the stuff, right? And the things and the shiny things that we see on Instagram. It's like actually based on the enjoyment and what, you know, matters to you. So I think that that's great. As adults, we just stress so many things out. And that's why it's been so nice just to be with children, I will say. Mm -hmm. I'm here right now visiting my goddaughter in Atlanta, and she's just so fun. She's a toddler, so she's also a little – what's the euphemism? I mean, She's toddlers ta- are tear? rascals. They okay, just, yes, yeah, that's a good They don't word. care about your feelings. They're going to say what's on their mind. Like toddlers are no <laughs> joke, but they're also kind of the best. They are. And I was just telling my cousin how being around her just reminds me of how we would play. And mm-hmm. it's so important. And I'm going to connect some dots and tell me if I'm right. And tell me if I'm wrong. So I saw something on Instagram (laughs) where you talked about being very frugal, Mm -hmm. paying off your loans, and working extremely hard, and how you regret that. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about that regret? Because paying off all those loans, that is a huge accomplishment. It is something that so many millennials specifically strive to do because we are saddled with so much student debt. I am so proud of you. And I was very surprised when you said that. So I, yeah, I want to know why. Definitely. Yeah. So I do not regret paying off my debt at all. And I think if anyone has an aspiration to do so, like create a plan and do it. If I can do it, anyone can do it. But what I don't love and don't recommend is going about it the way I went about it. So I spent a long period of time being really frugal in ways that really 
restricted my joy, where I would not do things that were fun. I would opt out of experiences. I would opt out of social experiences. I would deprive myself of things that I probably would have enjoyed for the sake of saving money and reaching certain financial goals. And I do think that there are ways to do both. And maybe it would have taken me a little bit longer, or maybe it would have come about in a certain way. But I think getting so focused on goals to the point where we really negatively restrict our quality of life in the present is something that I wouldn't do over again and that I wouldn't necessarily recommend. And sometimes when you want to reach goals, there are certain sacrifices, especially with finances right now. It's like all of our finances are tight right now. It's a wild time. And I think we can still find ways to enjoy our lives while we reach certain goals. So I wouldn't recommend other people do it the same way I did it just for the sake of your mental health, (laughs) but (laughs) is something that I am really proud of to have done. That's great. Yeah. No, that's what I thought you might say after hearing more Mm -hmm. about you. Just, it seems like you denied yourself some joy and some experiences that, you know, are important in life. Life is made of experiences. Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad that you're going to be doing a lot of that now And I am just really curious about a time in your life where you experienced a lot of growth. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think probably the past few years have been a period of a lot of growth, just from my late 20s to now in my early 30s. In a lot of ways, my life looks nothing like I thought it would look like and also exactly what I wanted it to look like at the same time. And in my late 20s, I found myself coming out of a long-term relationship. I had a series of career setbacks, a series of financial setbacks. I, for a while, was living with my parents to save money and then ended up you know, moving out and living with roommates. And that wasn't the best situation. And I was in really toxic jobs. And I just felt really stuck and really unhappy in a lot of ways with the choices that I had made and where they had gotten me. And I had this realization, especially around my late 20s, was that if I don't like where I am, I can change it. And I really learned how to be more open to possibility. And by being open to possibility, I made some incredible friends over the past five years as an adult who have played such amazing roles in my life and have been such expanders for me from just an inspiration standpoint, a fun standpoint, a career standpoint, a financial standpoint. I left my hometown finally at the age of 30, which was something I always wanted to do and finally did and kind of created a new life for myself in Southern California and also made amazing friends here. And now just things that I wouldn't have even thought were possible five years ago are like the everyday norm for me now, which I'm so grateful for. And I think a lot of that was learning how to be open to things turning out a little bit differently, but also staying open to possibility. Because I think sometimes when we get so attached to a plan, we can Mm -hmm. be keeping ourselves really small and there can be things out there that are so much bigger and so much better for us that we couldn't have even imagined with our little plan, but we're holding on so tight to the plan that it's blocking what could be better for us. And so 
over the past few years, I've really learned how to be just really open. And now maybe I'm a little too open because now I'm like, where can I go? What can I do now? And just like (laughs) throw all caution to the wind, which is so different from my younger self. But yeah, I think the past few years learning how to be more open to possibility has been one of my greatest periods of growth. Uh, I love that. I feel like so much of the work is internal and mindset. Mm-hmm. And it is so challenging, though, to get there, especially if it's not your natural self. You know, some yeah. people are manifestors. And do you think you're a manifester? I think I can be okay. at times. Sometimes I'm still a little too practical. So it's a constant work in progress. <laughs> yeah. And practicality is important, too, right? It's a delicate balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I certainly feel like I have both of those. But there are times and environments where you're just like stuck. And you don't realize that you can get out of that situation. And I think sometimes it really just takes seeing someone else's story. I mean, that's what inspired this podcast is sharing these stories where people have gone through something, they've Mm -hmm. overcome it, and they're living their best lives. Not that there's not ups and downs, but it's like you're living in alignment Yes, with who you are and who you want to be. And it seems like now you're open to possibilities. Can you tell us about perhaps some of your hopes and dreams for the future? Ooh, I love that question. You know, I spent some time kind of being a bit of a big fish in a small pond, like where I'm from. It's kind of a small community And it is pretty easy to have visibility there. And especially since moving to LA, I've gotten to be a small fish in a big pond. And I actually really like that because it has forced me out of my comfort zone and has really pushed me to rise to the occasion in so many ways and has opened me up professionally and socially. And so I'm excited to continue exploring big ponds and seeing how that helps me continue to grow and expand and flourish. I mean, it's like a plant. If a plant is in a pot that's too small, it's not going to grow to its fullest potential. But if you give it a little bit more room for those roots to spread out a little bit, it could grow into something really beautiful. And so I'm excited to continue seeing where new environments take me. Mm, I love that. What I realized is I didn't get like where you grew up. Can you just kind of paint the picture for us about where you grew up? And I'll just give us a little bit more about that dynamic. I want to try to see little less and <laughs> learn more about that environment. Yeah. Uh, little less grew up in a suburb of Seattle. And I had kind of a unique upbringing in the sense that, you know, Seattle and the Pacific Northwest are probably some of the least diverse areas in the country, which a lot of people know, and they may associate that region with kind of a lack of diversity. But I happened to grow up in one of the small pockets or areas that was really diverse. And so I grew up going to school with all different types of people. I hadn't really had the experience of being the only black girl in a setting until I went off to college, which I think was a bit of a blessing and a bit of a curse. So that means that as a kid, I got to just kind of explore my interests and feel really comfortable in my environment and also feel really comfortable growing up around other kids that had a bunch of different experiences. And that was very normal to me, which I'm really grateful for. But then the kind of 
other end of that sword is like, by the time I got experiencing those things, those hardships, whether it be microaggressions, whether it be racism, whether it being othered, experiencing that for the first time as a young adult and just not realizing that those were like real things was really, really challenging. And so, you know, I feel really lucky to have had a solid childhood and to have been really affirmed by a lot of the adults in my life. And that's not to say that my childhood was perfect because it wasn't. There was also plenty of things that were challenging. And, you know, I have my own little T traumas like many people. But I think where things started to get really hard for me was when I was a teenager and particularly when I went to college. And that was really my first time being one of few Black people in an environment and experiencing both micro and pretty overt racism and experiencing classism. And it created this sense of really, really intense imposter syndrome in me that I think in a lot of ways I'm still unpacking. In some instances, that was really, really hard. And so sometimes when I hear people talk about inner child work, I'm like, my inner teenager actually needs so much more support than my inner child because my inner child, you know, as a kid, I was really quiet and I kind of had my little friends. I did my little activities and I was just kind of vibing. I was able to just kind of cruise along and cruise under the radar in some ways And then, Mm -hmm. you know, I got a little bit older kind of in my later teens and it was like a mess. And so that's where I think some of my kind of inner child, inner teenager work comes in because there was a pretty stark contrast between those two periods in my life. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that, especially the inner teenager. I think it also is just whatever phase of life you're in. I totally agree with that because now I'm thinking about my story mm-hmm. and mine is like the inner law school overachieving mm-hmm. time of my life. And that was in yeah. my 20s where mm-hmm. I have to do a lot of unlearning now, which is really interesting because I feel like I learned a lot from a practical perspective and it set me up in certain ways for mm-hmm. a successful career. But from an internal perspective, I had to do a lot of unlearning. There's a lot of elitism. There's just yeah. a lot of comparison, a lot, you know, so I need to heal the inner law school in Ashley. That's what I've got to go do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Which that's we've been real. doing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an interesting way of looking at it. It's probably just the phase in life where your inner self and who you are was really challenged. Mm-hmm. It was really challenged. Exactly. And yeah. Yeah. Ooh. All right. And I think Les. that's also part of why, even with the student loans thing, I'm like, man, that was the most expensive trauma. Took out, you know, six <laughs> figures of loans just to be traumatized. Like public high school traumatized me for free. Like, what, what did I need to take out all these loans for that? And so I think sometimes maybe that's why people are like, you should be way more excited that you paid off all this debt. And I have sometimes a hard time disassociating, you know, the celebratory aspects of paying off that debt with the hard time that I had in college because to me it's one in the same. I'm like, well, I took out all this debt just to be there for this really hard time in my life. And even, you know, last year when I paid the loans off, I remember almost feeling really triggered by that and having a lot of memories from that time in my life come up that I had honestly forgotten about or repressed because those things are so closely associated. And so our minds are just these weird little computers that 
(laughs) (laughs) are just interesting to navigate and are always changing. They are. They are always changing. And you have changed so much and you've grown so much. And so with all the change and the growth, how are you living now? Tell us a little bit. I asked about little less. (laughs) Tell us about millennial 30-something less. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like millennial 30-something less just wants to show up fully embodied. And something that I think all of us can do is look at how far we've come. And that sounds really cheesy. When I think about that for myself, I'm like, it actually is not practical that the life I have now is what I'm living. Like I am a product of teen pregnancy, first generation college student, probably was supposed to be predisposed to repeat that cycle and not be where I am now and seeing how much things can change in just one generation and how much we can create if we're open to it is actually really incredible. And I think a lot of us, myself included, just don't give ourselves enough credit. And so where I'm at now is almost taking my foot off the gas a little bit and being like, okay, How can I enjoy where I am now without being so focused on the next thing that I want to achieve or the next place that I want to get? Because even getting from where I started to where I am now is like a really cool thing that I can be proud of. And it doesn't mean that I'm no longer ambitious or won't reach future goals, but how can I enjoy where I am now and really embody who I am now instead of being this version of myself that I think I need to be to be successful or that I need to be for other people to accept me? Like I want to focus on just accepting myself. Wow. I love that. And can you tell us who you are now? Could you describe who that person is? What kind of adjectives would you use? What would your friends say about you? I would say creative, humorous. I think I'm a little bit more sarcastic than people might realize. If they just saw me online or just listened to the podcast, they may not realize that I'm a little bit of a jokester and that I I think I probably look and sound more bubbly than I really am. And I think that is (laughs) what tricks people when they meet me is how I tend to be a little bit more like dry and sarcastic, but I look like I'm going to be this like bubbly girl. And then (laughs) if you actually not listen to just the tone of my voice, but what I'm saying is like, girl, (laughs) you are not that at all. (laughs) My friends would also describe me as supportive. I really love supporting my friends and the things that they have going on. A little bit of a busybody, which, you know, has always been the case from a young age. Bookworm. Yeah. Those are the adjectives that come to mind. Yeah. No, those are great ones. Those are great ones. I love reading too. What are you reading right now or recently? Yes. I'm on a fiction kick. So I spent my whole 20s reading all of these like really smart self-help books. And in my 30s, I'm like, I want to take my – turn my brain off and get lost in a story. So I've been loving, loving fiction. And this is going to sound so cheesy, but I actually just started reading the Bridgerton books. No, (laughs) I Because I love Bridgerton. (laughs) And obviously, I just watched Queen Charlotte and I was obsessed. And I'm like, okay, so to hold me over until there's a new season of something Bridgerton related, which is probably going to take a while because of all the strikes and all the things, let me dive into the books. So I just started the first Bridgerton book. And of course, it's super cute. And it feels like I'm starting the series all over again. Ah, 
I love it. Yeah. Shonda Rhimes. She just always delivers. She does. Oh, she, she really delivered delivers. in Queen Charlotte. Yes. And, oh, I, it was incredible. So I binged it. And I'm not like a binger. I don't mm-hmm. – I binged that show. It was incredible. So and I followed everyone on Instagram. I don't even really follow like celebrities on Instagram, but I was like, oh my gosh, these actors are incredible. There's, there's such a great cast. Just yes. Such a great cast. Uh, yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll read the book. I'm not a big fiction reader. I'm really into a memoir, Mm. but, you know, I need to shake it up. I need to shake it up. So I love that. So can you share some of your greatest wellness tips with the audience? That's something that I need to work on, need to work on my (laughs) wellness habits. So I'd love to learn a bit from you. Definitely. I think the number one mistake that a lot of people make when it comes to wellness is thinking that there is just one stringent routine that you need to follow forever and then getting frustrated either when it doesn't work for us or if we have a hard time sticking with it, we tend to beat ourselves up if we have a hard time sticking to a routine. When what I've learned is that wellness is completely fluid. What is going to be good for you and good for your body today is going to be completely different six months from now. And instead of beating ourselves up because we no longer fit into the same habit or routine or size or whatever, we really have to check in with ourselves and understand where we're at and what our bodies need in this moment. So an example for me is that I spent so many years being a very intense fitness person. Like I was a gym rat. I was a gym girly and I used to do all of these like super hard workouts. I used to teach these CrossFit style classes that were really intense and that was really great for me during that time in my life. And if I were to try to do that right now, I would either probably be a walking stress case or I would never actually follow through with any of my workouts and probably beat myself up and call myself unmotivated. When what really serves me now that my plate is a lot fuller, my life is a lot fuller, my schedule is more hectic, is movement that's a little bit more gentle. So instead of going to the gym and doing super intense workouts, I might go to the gym once or twice a week to like lift some light weights and just kind of get my body moving, focusing a little bit more on walking and on yoga because that's just what my body needs right now to help me keep my stress levels in check. And then maybe six months from now, if I've got a little bit less going on and I want to play more, then I can go harder in the gym and do all those things. But sometimes we try to put ourselves in these boxes and say, okay, well, if I can't go super hard in the gym, then it's not worth it. Or if I can't stick to this plan that I used to do 10 years ago, then I'm not staying on track. And it's like, no, it's just the definition of on track changes. So I think meeting yourself where you are and finding really small things that you can do that fit you and suit you now are so, so helpful. Uh, I love that. Okay. I feel so much better about mm-hmm. my wellness journey. So thank you because yes. I think yes. I'm doing pretty well based on that standard. <laughs> Good. Yes. Is there anything that in that you would want to share with people that we haven't touched on? Having just perspective about how things look online versus how they actually feel in real life is important to have as well. You know, I've had conversations with people or gotten comments from people where people maybe think that I'm a lot more successful than I really am or like a lot further along in life than I really am. And that just goes to show that on the surface, it can look like 
everybody's killing it and achieving all of these things. But sometimes the reality of how those things feel is like everybody is still going through it, maybe in slightly different ways. But I think we're all still on the journey. Nobody is at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. But you are really successful, Les. (laughs) Girl, no. If I was that successful, I would not still be working. Right. (laughs) You still have a full-time job. Yes. (laughs) Which is important because sometimes I think, and that's why I share, Mm -hmm. you know, going definitely for the foreseeable future, I will be in a day job. Mm -hmm. This podcast will be a side hustle because you can be bringing in money but still have to put money back into the business. Oh, yeah. The market is still quite precarious when mm-hmm. we're looking at podcasting, you're looking at brand deals, yeah. all of those things. And so you want to be safe and you want to make sure that you're building sustainably. And so I see what you're saying, but I still think you're so successful. <laughs> <laughs> or how do you even define success? I mean, I think for me, success for the longest time has been full-time entrepreneurship. And so that was always my shooting star and what I was reaching for. And so the fact that like almost 10 years later, I'm still not there yet, I do get a little hard on myself about. And so I'm trying to figure out like, okay, if that's not how I define success, what is? And I still haven't figured it out yet because that for the longest time was my North Star. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's interesting too, right? When we talk about full-time entrepreneurship, I think that in order to go at it full-time, one, you have to just be a risk taker. Yep. Two, yeah. (laughs) You're like, I have certain financial goals. I want to live a certain way. And I think that's really important. And I also too, like a lot of people who I have looked up to have just had different life circumstances. I don't know if I've really seen someone do the things that I'm trying to do who is either unmarried and doesn't have a partner whose income can kind of pick up the slack or who doesn't come from a family that has money that can be their backup if they need it. And so I don't have either of those things. It's just me. It's just me and whatever prayers get answered. And so- with that, there's so much less room to be risky and to do these things when you just don't have that backup. And I think that's often what's missing from the entrepreneurial space is like, if I don't have a job that's bringing in health insurance, I don't have health care. You know, if I don't have these things then I just won't, I won't eat, I won't have a place to live and there aren't other options for that. And so it's just, it's, I don't know, it's a little bit tricky. Sometimes there can be these other factors behind someone's ability to be an entrepreneur that doesn't actually have anything to do with like the bottom line of their business. No, I completely, another one. And that's why I listened to also Side Hustle Pro. Mm-hmm. Now have you, yeah, she, yeah. Uh, she's also Nikayla Matthews Okome. Mm-hmm. She's also in the HubSpot Podcast Network. And she specifically talks to black women And most of those Black women who have these huge Instagram followings like you, who have brand deals, who are bringing in money monthly like you, have a full-time job because they don't have that security. And they talk Mm -hmm. about making the leap, but how they had to do it slowly and what they had to do to build up. And I'm looking at my life and I still have student loans, so I will be working Mm -hmm. for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But... I also don't know if entrepreneurial life is for me. 
and mm-hmm. not yeah. Yeah, I'm like I might be a permanent side hustler. Mm-hmm. Because I like the security of the paycheck yep. and I like not having to have my paycheck depend on the creative work that I do. Totally. Right? Yep. And that's also just a personality thing and thinking about all of that. So I've been really digging into that, but you're completely right. A lot of people have a certain support system where they're able to go off and be entrepreneurs and some of the largest entrepreneurs. When we look at some of the big greatest companies, a lot of them came from money. A lot of them yep. could take a risk. A lot of yep. them are a different demographic. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you do such a great job of allowing women, specifically black women, or people who don't come from a certain socioeconomic status to dream. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That is what you do for us. Please keep doing it. I think you're extremely <laughs> successful inside and out. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, if you have any final thoughts to share, please do. I think probably my biggest thing, and I forgot to mention this when I was kind of talking about the balanced black girl origin story, was that I took that show from idea to launch in 10 days. Like I just got the idea, bought a microphone and immediately released it is to not overthink your ideas, whatever they are, put them out there and make them better as you go. But if you wait for your ideas to be perfect, then they're never going to see the light of day. So whatever it is that you want to do, just start taking steps towards doing it and making it better as you go. I love it. Mic drop. Thank you for listening to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. Remember to share the podcast with friends and family. And my hope is that these stories help you navigate your No Straight Path journey. If this content is adding value to your life, and I hope it is, please take a few minutes out of your day to rate the show and write a review. You can click the link in the show notes to write a review. It helps other listeners find the show, and I just really appreciate it. Have a lovely week, embrace the journey, and remember... You're not alone.